welcome to the Infinite Improvisation Podcast, Adventures in Music and Creativity. This is Steve Tressler, joined by Lauren Best in our second pilot episode of our first season. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! So, we, our first episode was on the why. Why are we doing this? Why the conversation? Why improvisation? And now we're moving over to the what. What are we doing? <laughs> what is improvisation? Um, I mean, to kick this off, Lauren, you've been working on some various descriptions, short and long descriptions for our podcast. And in, in one of them, you, you threw out there, what is improvisation? Is it a practice, a philosophy, a game, a collaborative experiment, a ritual, a culture? And I might throw in, is it winging it or is it noodling? Is it making up random things? Is it some magical gift? So we'll even start, we'll even start there and then get to the more, the, mechanics of what what we'll be doing in this podcast but mm-hmm. i'll throw it back to you which, which which one of those is it well what i just thought of now as you said that is like it's it's the coming together mm-hmm. <laughs> of like circumstances and skills in some mm-hmm. ways right or context and intention mm-hmm. right in terms of its like having by context and circumstances, right? I mean, like not only like a physical place, but also kind of the, the bounds we put on the improvisation, right? Mm-hmm. Or like the norms around it. Um, I can explain more, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then how we relate to that in terms of what, we, of what we bring to it with, I don't know, skill might be the wrong term though, in terms of our, our ideas or our contributions. That's kind mm-hmm. of the, how I would go really broad with it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's so many different angles and, and perspectives on this. This might be a little little long-winded, but I've been Oh, I'm ready. prepping for this, thinking about this, but from a more n- narrow so starting narrow and getting broader, I guess. So as a, you know, as a performing musician, improvisation in my world, it's really instant composition, right? That we're composing something and performing it simultaneously. That there's the creation and the performance all happening in the same moment. And this is true in other domains, whether it's like improv theater or comedy, spoken word, freestyle rapping, visual arts, that we have this, yeah, that, yeah, creating and and performing all at the same time. Uh, but as we zoom out, there's so much improvisation that happens in arts that's not maybe an improvised performance. It could be that that moment of, of inspiration or the aha moment, just sort of making a connection between two unrelated ideas or as, as I mentioned in the last episode, you might be experimenting and riffing or quote noodling around and something pops up and that becomes the seed or the inspiration for a, for a larger composition or artistic work that in the end might be, might be edited and be a, or if it's a piece of music, it could be something that's performed the same way each time, but there was an, there was an improvised moment that got it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can be the case for various other arts or crafts, architecture, or you know, innovation of any, of any kind in, in business or, or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if we zoom out even further, just the improvisation in how we navigate life. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from yeah, Stephen Nachmanovich, I just sent you his book. Okay, excited to hear what you mm-hmm. think of the art of is. But in an interview, he says, improvisation is what you do with the information that is coming into all of your senses 
at this moment in this room. Mm. And very much re- relating to music, you know, he says that you're not just doing anything or being random or crazy or, or noodling around, that it's very specific about what, you know, reacting to what you're taking in with your senses in this moment with these with these people. Mm. And that kind of attunement to your environment, which is necessary for uh, other other disciplines, other expertise, you know, whether you're a, a physician or a therapist and you're in the room with someone taking in what's what you're taking in and how you're going to react in that moment or a mechanic or someone who's writing legislation. This is really that attunement to your environment. And, you know, this is how we navigate the world, whether we're having a, having a conversation or taking a walk somewhere unfamiliar, you're kind of taking in, making these decisions based on the environment around you. Hmm. Um, and, and we can all, we can all relate that. We can relate that back to something very specific as well. And when we're creating art, but also be talking about, yeah, some of the larger, uh, larger, larger implications and culture and in life. So there's my kind of. Mm-hmm. And, and I find so interesting the intention behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, folks might, I shouldn't say folks, people like people mm-hmm. might say, um, of all sorts, whether they are folks or other people, oh. <laughs> um, I'm just teasing. Um, might say, oh, Louis, like, Arms- Louis Armstrong said, "All music is folk music." I haven't heard a, a horse sing a tune anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that like the the performance aspect, or like the intention of it being mm-hmm. art or being creation or whatever? Like that, that is part of it. I think a lot of if I were to ask people. By folks, I meant if I were to just ask someone on the street, like, what is improvisation? I think a mm-hmm. lot of people would feel that the intention of performance or of sharing is part of that. Mm-hmm. But I think of like, you know, if I'm outside and I hear a sound in nature, I hear like the sound of a bird and I whistle back, like, is mm-hmm. that improvisation? Or am I just playing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I don't know, you know? And then if I keep whistling with the bird, are we now improvising together? If I later on, because I'm thinking, oh, that whistling felt nice and I'm imagining these sounds and then I whistle some more, Mm -hmm. you know, am I improvising then? Am I doing what a bird has taught me? Have I learned Mm -hmm. bird by rote? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I mean, that's just a scenario, just kind of some, some what ifs. Like I think, I think about within the scope of of improvisation and what is improvisation I'm always cur- a bit curious about like what the limits and boundaries are of mm. that. And something I've been curious about is how we can create circumstances that encourage other people to improvise mm. as well as how we explore it in our own practices. Yeah. But with the, with the bird that I would say absolutely improvisation. I'm, I'm, yeah. And I'm working on re- rewriting my, my ebook, the Impro- infinite improvisation handbook. And it's actually starting out with listening is a prompt to listen to your environment and listen to all the ambient sounds in your environment and then make some kind of re- response to it and actually improvising a duet with mm-hmm. the ambient sounds in your environment, which is kind of the new the new way that it's set up, which is that's the kind of, yeah, one type of imp- improvisation we can do at, at any point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the tapping is annoying, I've heard. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> when, when, I'm, when I'm drumming at the, at the dinner table. And yeah, that, yeah, what, what are what are the limits? And there's artistically it can be sort of an abstract or mysterious thing but when it comes to conversation we just do it all the time like we don't 
musically we might be used to playing something that's 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 written down and we know what's going to happen but if you're talking to someone who you can tell they're reading off of a script like nobody mm-hmm. likes that or it's just a very scripted conversation or you know who knows you, you know you're on a date with someone and they're like trying to remember what the right question to ask is it's just like makes we can we can detect it and it's you know yeah and there's certain norms within conversation mm-hmm. which is interesting right we think Oh, like conversation, if we think of it as improvisation, it doesn't necessarily have a lot of structure or plan, we might think, but there's certain norms within conversation. I read an article about this a while ago, like one being like the amount you talk at once, right? Mm. Like if I'm very short in my responses and I'm kind of like violating that norm by not saying enough, Mm. by saying, by being extremely short or extremely quiet like you would be like what is wrong you know like it would feel very weird and probably pretty quickly you would wonder if there was like you know if i'm upset if i'm really shy like it would suddenly very much like take take you out of that improvisation so to speak right and likewise if i (laughs) if i talked too much which might happen to me occasionally in life you know that also that also violates that there's other like conversational norms but uh, one is too like with you know it's good to ask questions but if one person just firing off a bunch of questions without responding to it you feel like you know you're being interrogated or it can be strange if someone's not you know riffing on your even if they're mostly asking the questions people like when you when you ask them questions about themselves but then if there's no response that feels that feels strange yeah and it's actually like more more way more structured and and way more complicated Mm-hmm. That then, in some ways, we give it credit for. Yeah. And what about? If you, and and if you want, if you want to m- move on, it's like, oh, what you got going on later in the day? If I'm trying to terminate this conversation and get you to go away, then you kind of ask about, oh, something going on next, and then, all right, see you later. You know, there's different. <laughs> yeah, different, or different ways. Or body language too, mm-hmm. right? There's certain uh, like ways that body language might suggest that the conversation's mm-hmm. wrapping up, or that. Yeah. I mean, it can suggest a lot of things. Yeah. yeah and that's what's strange about do- doing this, the video conferences too, because naturally body language, people aren't just like straight at each other, you know, squared off at, you know, off in a more neutral position where you're a little bit more of at a angle, you know, so it can be, yeah, there's, there's so much, so much with that. And it yeah. changes our interpretation of each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. I think, and we hear differently too, right? Depending mm-hmm. on whether whether we have headphones on and like the mm-hmm. quality of audio, sometimes how we're hearing people uh, can be can be quite different. Mm-hmm. What about, so this is where all these circumstances we're talking mm-hmm. about are sort of same room, same place, kind of like mm-hmm. very, very relational or conversational. Even um, like when we're talking about responding to nature sounds, it still has mm-hmm. that, that aspect to it. Uh, what about asynchronous improvisation like how mm. do you think that how, like this the stretchiness of that over time when it's when it's people responding to one another but not necessarily in the same room or or maybe not at the same time mm. and yeah that's a different different flavor but i've been doing you know during the pandemic some various collaborations with people and some were improvised you know with the delay with software with this the sound painting group you know doing this over zoom and recording ourselves and that's nearly synchronous but not quite that's it that's its own that's its own thing but i've been yeah i'm working on self-producing a record which involves you know collaborating with some different improvisers but i might send someone a you know a track or or something and then they'll improvise with it so it still feels very natural and like a tight collaboration you know they may take a few different passes at it but there's this still this this 
improvising happening and a connection, but it's not in the same room at the same time. So there's absolutely a place for doing it. Yeah, for for doing this for doing this asynchron- asynchronously. At least that's what that's what comes to mind. A collaboration with one person records something, then someone else adds something else. I did this in a, a remote class I was teaching at the university where I was designing this improvisation class. We did it with like a drum circle and we did kind of a textural one too, where someone just added added some layer of something. And then whenever mm. someone else happened to have a layer, to, there was a small group, maybe four people. So someone started something and someone mm-hmm. else logged in and listened to it, used like a cloud-based digital audio workstation. Then someone else would add the next layer and mm. then someone else would add something. Then the first person came back and listened to it and was like, holy moly, I had no idea what was what was going to happen. Hmm. So, so that's, with, ab- with, with yeah, loops, like creating like a looped... It wasn't even Thing? a loop. It was just okay. one. It's like a two-minute track. Okay. And then someone cool. else added an, another one, and it was all for this one. I think it was all. I think it was all audio tracks. Someone may have no. Someone may have added MIDI. It may have been a mix of virtual instruments and MIDI, and but yeah, this one wasn't loops. It was just a. Mm-hmm. A, and and that that was following in a. Uh, I'd saying assignment, but that's what it was. It was a it was a class for credit and the assignment of recording uh, of doing a duet with some ambient sounds in your environment. This one was pretty popular. So, and mm. what was during the pandemic, so much of it was like the roommate typing. <laughs> and so, and some of it could be live. Other times people would record it, like go field recording, take, you know, record a rushing river. Mm-hmm. And then later on, then drop that into their software and improvise on top of it. But other times it would be someone opened the window and, you know, then you know you don't feel as alone. You're actually playing a, a duet with the sounds mm. around you. So city sounds or nature sounds or birds or, or any of that. So we did that first. Then when it came time to overdub different layers, people had some ideas of, of some other sound layers or that would be, mm. that would be interesting for this project besides mm. playing notes and rhythms like they're used to. So yeah, well I guess part of it is like deciding upon some kind of structure mm-hmm. or con- or we can call that context, right? Mm-hmm. And then leaving some things unknown, emergent. Mm-hmm. I was going to say up to chance, but really sometimes, I mean, it can, it can be chance, but sometimes it, it's quite often not chance. It's mm-hmm. not it's not luck or random. It's like a, actually a very specific response, mm-hmm. but not planned and kind of, um, kind of opening that up, which sometimes as you're saying, like we have a piece, like a, like a song, the song has structure and we're, we're, playing all kinds of stuff over it or getting someone mm-hmm. else to. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you mentioned at the beginning, like the idea of instant composition, like the whole thing is emergent um, mm-hmm. and there may be more or less structure mm-hmm. <laughs> around what might be played in, re- in response to that. Um, I was thinking in terms of asynchronous improvisation or in terms of stretching what improvisation mm-hmm. is, <laughs> maybe. Um, so as when I was Poet Laureate, I was looking at different kinds of creativity and how those different types of creativity can intersect with words, right? And how mm-hmm. we can use music, but other other things like sculpture and movement and a variety of, of kind of ways into words and ways into poetry. Um, and out of that <laughs> and out of the various things I was doing, um, I became really interested in the idea of fill in the blanks and Mad Libs <laughs> mm. and, and what that does. And I created a series of fill in the blank haiku poems uh, because haiku has a very specific structure, right? It's a very, yeah. like, it's, it's the number of syllables. There's actually even more structure than that to haiku traditionally, which is oh. really interesting stuff. Um, 
So I would write haiku that had like underline spots, <laughs> not with not with what should go in there like Mad Libs, but just just openings. And so my idea with that was that it was an invitation mm. to the reader to improvise in that very moment reading it. And so the reader then kind of has a choice. I, like they don't have to participate, right? They can uh -huh. read it and imagine a blank, but that is still a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Versus taking the invitation and putting their own word in there. And then uh, when they do that, it might change the meaning or not, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but it also might change the structure or not. They might like completely explode the haiku structure or they might stay mm -hmm. within it and um, they can do whatever comes to them first or they can think about it a little and then be like, ah, this is the fill in the blank. And wow. so I was, I was curious how I could make an invitation and like have it be both very structured and very open-ended and mm -hmm. kind of see what happened uh, like in, in that way by, by trying to draw people mm. into the process a bit. Wow, I would love to love to see those. Yeah, send them to me or I'll buy them or however the transaction <laughs> I want to see your film, The Blank Hikers, do, do them with my kid. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're on Instagram. <laughs> That's great. And that relates to what I've been doing a lot musically. I hadn't thought about it like that as a, as a Mad Lib. Uh, I was just doing a workshop. I was kind of leading a jam session at a high school in, the, in Seattle that has a really strong jazz program and a lot of the lot of kids are really really playing great but there's a lot of new new you know new newcomers to the program that have been on you know online online band for a couple of years so supposed to facilitate the experience and hold their hands a little bit because there was a stage with lights and and get them to come up so one thing i do is some fill in the blank stuff rather than like what happened to me is you stick a microphone in front of each kid and say play a solo in front of everybody and you know it's yeah. not going to sound great and everyone's looking at you and they freeze up and but we were working on some conversational phrasing like taking this call and response from black american music and 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 having this back and forth, but I was starting with some question and answer phrases. So I like gave everyone a mm -hmm. rhythm and we're all going bop, bop, do that, that. And then I had them only change the last note. So the question phrases, you have to go up at the end. Mm. Bop, 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 up. Or, you, you know, like you're mm -hmm. talking Canadian or something. Sorry. And then uh, <laughs> and then going down at the end, something really simple where up, then just a real simple film, but they could all do it. They did it all together and then they took turns and like no one was... You know, and I'm asking them, it's like, was was that complicated or was that confusing? No. Was that scary? No. Okay. Like, we're doing it. And then we started lo loosening the restriction. Mm -hmm. um, but I've done lots of that musically in the in the jazz world. Same with asynchronous learning. Uh, I put together my first online course that had, it came from these workshops. It is very much call and response in the moment. Here, I play this, you play it back, or I play this and you play something different. I didn't think it would really work pre-recorded until I was having to teach a pandemic workshop. And there's so many kids, I had to mute everybody and I say, I play and you play back. And then I was realizing like, well, if I can't hear any of them and it's effective, like this doesn't have to be live. This could be pre-recorded. So it was my mm -hmm. idea to put together a course where here I play something, you copy it and now go do it again. Re rewind the video. And now I will play something and you respond with something different, have this conversational phrasing. So it's very asynchronous. And the advantage of that educationally is now hundreds or thousands of kids have done this and I don't have to be there live mm -hmm. doing it, but there's still some improvised moments happening when I was creating it and when they were, when they were responding. It yeah. Was a, it was a Mad Lib. But. Yeah. I've done some similar things with some of my students and sometimes because we're playing piano, we have two hands. So one hand can be the question and yeah. the other hand can be the response. Um, but as you were saying, I often start with one hand just echoing a rhythm mm -hmm. that the first hand 
<laughs> does so that like there may we're doing some improvising but we're keeping it within like a very mm-hmm. specific a very p- specific structure mm-hmm. for it to be lower pressure but sometimes what i've done is had the kids actually record their own clips and then improvise to themselves oh. so they're doing they're recording an ostinato um and then they can play along with their own ostinato mm-hmm. that they've made um i mean i don't know if that's typically how I would answer what is improvising (laughs) I'm not when I'm doing this with the kids it's not only for improvising it's also to get them thinking in multiple parts and to give them a Mm -hmm. little of that you know like stem steam education like learning about recording themselves and what that's like um but 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 it answers yeah can can it be asynchronous like when you're saying it's in this moment right now well what about if it's well elements of it like elements of the structure um, I, I, it's interesting, right? In, in improvisation can be so, it's like so open-ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be so in the moment, but it can also be quite structured mm-hmm. and asynchronous. Can be all, can be all of these things. And maybe, yeah, as we get to, we're talking about doing the episodes on how, how do we do this as maybe its own, its own series or its own, its own season. Uh, mm-hmm. but so much of that is having some very narrow structure and limitations, like self-imposed limitations. It seems counterintuitive. We want to be free and create and do do whatever whatever we wish, but the practice of it so much can be limiting our tools and we have to be more, more resourceful in other areas. And so I was telling the kids yesterday, I'm like, this is a temporary rule for now. I'm not saying this is Steve's rules for how you need to prescriptively improvise, but we're going to stay within these limitations and you might you know, and it can it can be a challenge, and then navigating that challenge is actually how we how we practice. I was thinking I was that part. I think I said this to you when we were planning this. Actually, mm. that part of the question is what isn't improvisation. I was going to bring that up because you asked that. Yeah, and I, I have that on my list of, of like, questions, and I'm like, I don't. I'll let you field that one first because I didn't have. I'm, I'm kind of formulating an answer because we're like, oh, it's it's life, but. Yeah, whereas not improvising. I mean, when I because I work with kids a lot, mm-hmm. I often think to myself things like, how would this go <laughs> if if I just tried it with a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. right? We were talking about those kind of like conversational norms or like that as as we gain more experience, we start to assume certain things about what the norms are in a given group, right? Mm-hmm. So like you and I, if we are with a group of musicians, we're going to make certain assumptions about how communication is likely to go and Mm -hmm. how we're likely to go about (laughs) improvising and stuff. Whereas kids don't always have a sense of those norms or a sense of as much impulse control, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, So I think as as teachers, sometimes to avoid some of those surprises that come with that, (laughs) such as kids being very exuberant, but that can be loud and intense on instruments. And sometimes we really stop that quickly and then tell them exactly what to do to avoid. Sometimes it's like to avoid damage to our ears, Mm -hmm. (laughs) damage to the instruments. Like there can be a lot of good reasons Mm -hmm. to have those structures and those boundaries. Um, But I think sometimes it can become prescriptive and that we don't necessarily open those doors again as widely as we might, as mm-hmm. quickly as we might, <laughs> um, and that sometimes we can we can create even more space for mm-hmm. for improvisation. I don't know if that quite that didn't really answer what isn't improvisation. I guess that was a little no, more. No, but that's what as, is. as as you have more and more people involved, and you've got to do some crowd control to make it the right space for everyone. It's there needs to be more and more. 
structure to make it a musical experience that works as we get more people involved in that. Yeah, maybe that didn't answer the question. What isn't improvisation, Lauren? Well, I think about... I mean, improvisation is not utter and complete randomness. Mm-hmm. It is is generally response, like, within having some kinds of goals for it, mm-hmm. I would say. It's not totally random. Although, some degree of randomness can be a part of the exploration, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I would say improvisation is not uh, 100% predictable, right? Like, mm-hmm. there needs to be some unpredictability. Yeah. I would say even if, if that unpredictability is, like, the notes might be predictable, as we've talked, that might be the... Mm-hmm. That might be the one of the constraints but other things could change around that and that makes me think about other areas for you know improvisation in life but things that aren't improvised when you don't want them to be predictable sometimes where someone's trying to make a very carefully curated experience that's i mean i'm even thinking of a event you know you imagine a bunch of kids running around and playing at a birthday party and then they go okay now everyone's gonna play this game all together they have this idea in their head of what it's supposed to be and then try to execute that and making the experience not what it is in the moment, but with some other idea of what it is or what it was in the past. I think that's mm-hmm. that can be moments and that, that happens artistically as well, where we, we snap out of the moment and we're trying to, we're either pl- you know planning for something else or thinking about a previous event that happened. Mm. But even music that can be very much composed or similar each time, there can be some magic of improvisation of some, mm. some dynamics that are happening um, in the moment, like that show I went to last night with the Waylon Jennings, amazing, you know, um, amazing folk vocal, I don't know, alt country ensemble. I don't know what you call it, but I've heard, I've heard some of the stuff recorded. A lot of it's very similar, but as there was just some magic of being very attuned to the room and the moment that felt that there was, there was those improvised moments happening, even though the music itself wasn't what we think of as improvised music. Hmm. Interesting, right? Because it kind of brings up the question of why improvise if we don't have to, right? Like Mm -hmm. in a performance, Mm -hmm. it would be in some ways less risky to not improvise at all and to have everything, absolutely everything meticulously planned. But as you just said, that's not always what you want, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That that makes me even more nervous because I can't improvise my way out of whatever I got myself into if it's all predetermined. But not every, yeah. not everyone is like that. Most more people are not like that. They like have, and for a lot of people, they have less anxiety when they know they have control over the situation and what's going to happen. It helps them navigate their fight or mm-hmm. flight response when they have that. They feel like they have that control over it. And I mean, it happens in the jazz world too that a lot of people learn. It's, it's very complicated when we get to jazz language or jazz vocabulary, which is a really sophisticated way of communication and tradition but some people interpret that to mean like cutting and pasting some here's lick one and here's lick two if you want to learn the vocabulary they associate like semantics of words with this particular lick so sometimes there's some like cutting and cutting and pasting and that can be helpful as like an etude to put some things together but then there are some people that you know the improvising is things that are you know rhythmically and melodically in this jazz language or flow but there's not anything spontaneous happening but Mm. it sounds sounds like jazz Mm. and but there are some players that repeat them you know it's but it's complicated it's not like the best players are just it's all just a brand new stream of consciousness idea that has never been played before even some great improvisers repeat their own build their own vocabulary Mm. this is 
pin for pin for another ep- episode. But there's definitely the the straight up cutting and pasting or these jazz competitions where people will someone has already written an improvised solo that someone else already played, wrote it down, and someone instead of listening to it is like looking at it and they're trying to play it note for note. Then they perform that written solo exactly as they have practiced mm. it on stage and get a you know and get a trophy or whatever. And so that feels. You know, th- there's ways of playing other people's music to make it feel improvised, but in that in that case where it's a moment for someone to improvise, and you're trying to play it exactly as someone else played it, as it's written down, exactly as you'd played it before, mm-hmm. that that's not it. <laughs> yeah, and for me, like improvisation is a tool as opposed to an outcome. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? Yeah. It's not. It's not a path that leads to one particular destination. Mm-hmm. To, I think it's a tool that can be used in a lot of different ways. Uh, and it's like such a huge, wide, wide spectrum of things. And as you were saying, like with um, with repeating things, right? And that mm. repeating things can be a part of improvisation. Improvisation doesn't mean like necessarily, you know, like no rules, no repeats, right? Mm. Like that's not part of it. And I find that uh, like thinking back to, to the examples I was giving of piano students, I find almost Every student that I've encouraged to do some kind of improvising activity, mm-hmm. I have to remind them to repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's okay to have silence, mm-hmm. have a moment. Is <laughs> yeah. okay to slow down, play mm-hmm. less, and repeat yourself more. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and when it comes down to, and people do this deliberately, and like thematic development, you can take a theme and then improvising. I mean, this is something that's part of how I practice and teach. Like, let's take this musical theme or a motif, and then we're going to develop it and change it and transform it. And that's one of the, yeah, a really important tool to have in the toolkit. But yeah, I, I mean, with you, that it's all, it's the, pro, it's not the final, or I mean, it's not predictable what the final product will be but at, at some point those of us have a career doing this building a portfolio you know here's some uh okay so it's at some point some products show up too you know yeah, right? Yeah. Right. improvise and then at some point like document it but mm-hmm. it's not about yeah and i find that yeah it, it it is curious that the more i'm embracing the process then what ends up being the quote product ends up it can surprise me at times but ends up being something i'm more proud of than trying yeah. to make it a certain a certain way. And I mean, I think advance. improvisation can be with or without a product, mm-hmm. but it can be a really, like, just straight up useful way of getting to the product where, like, it feels better and the result is mm-hmm. better. Um, I think it can be a, an excellent aesthetic tool, let's say, mm-hmm. like a tool kind of on the way to getting somewhere that could have been not improvised, but it was improvised mm-hmm. and it's likely, you know, better for it. Um, I think it can also be a tool that's entirely process-based and that uh, it's about the learning within that process as much as it is about uh, an aesthetic product or an aesthetic outcome. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a pretty wide range. When I think of what improvisation isn't, hmm. often I think to myself, ah, but it's so close to what it is. We could just change it and we could be improvising yeah. it a little more. And then it's, and, it's everything, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And that, like, it's not about constantly being generative. We mentioned mm-hmm. this in the ne- last episode. It's not, yeah. 
like against repeating mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, you know, an idea or learning traditional music or learning notated music. It's that there's mm-hmm. this whole other other tu- toolbox within the idea of what improvising is. I was going to say it's a lot to try to sum up in like one podcast episode, right? It's like as much as we were saying, oh, the whole podcast is really about the why in a way, the whole podcast is also about about the what and about Mm -hmm. looking at those aspects too. Absolutely. And this gets to something we touched on before about, you know, why is this, this relevant? Like, well, if we're playing, you know, music that's composed, you know, why, why is, why is improvising relevant? But we've touched on some bigger, bigger topics. Well, and also in some of your descriptions too, talking about changing the world through improvisation, yeah. you know, okay. Thinking real big. So, I mean, what, what are some of those bigger, bigger picture issues? I mean, this might touch on, I know you said maybe you had some unfinished business on from our why episode too. I don't know if that mm-hmm. was, that was part of it or, but yeah, talk about the, your, your thoughts on that. Some of the bigger, the bigger implications beyond you know, experimenting in our own practices. Yeah, well, well, I think that improvisation serves as a model for risk-taking, right? Where there's something inherently risky about it, right? Because there's there's an unknown to it. And as you're saying, this is something that we kind of do in our mm. in our lives too, right? So I think doing it in these more controlled circumstances, um, controlled is maybe the wrong word, but where there are some boundaries around it, right? It's, but it's still feels frightening it can feel bad like it can feel fun and good and then lead us to making music more and that's real cool but it can also feel like bad and scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not like we want to feel making music but i think we still learn from that right because Mm. through through incorporating in our practice we can work with that and uh and starting to look at that a little more neutrally like instead of oh i felt terrified i think Oh, I felt a little shaky or like, oh, I felt, I felt excited or like, you know, I felt some nervous energy as opposed to, oh, I felt terrified. I didn't Mm. think I was going to be able to do it or, you know, for example. So I think sometimes from practicing that, even in these really small ways, right? Mm. Practicing it with ourselves, practicing it with like our family. I mean, I think improvisation is important just because it increases how we connect to people around us. And I think using improvisation in families mm-hmm. is important for like improving our mood and our cognition and just connecting us and helping us relate to one mm-hmm. another. But just only on a personal level, even if we aren't making music with our families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it teaches us things. I think it's useful. Uh, and I think that it, like d- doing less of it in our culture and in our schools I do think that's changing over time, but mm-hmm. I think the emphasis uh, kind of being away from improvisation, the emphasis being on on perfection and competitive music and, and some mm-hmm. of these other aspects doesn't allow for the diversity of experience that could benefit us in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, and we're talking about the the model for the public schools, you know, very much this product of the the industrial era where it's like, okay, we need things to be efficient and predetermined outcomes and have students sit in rows and, and, you know, measure the results, which can be, you know, helpful for many things. But yeah, if we're talking about other areas, especially that's more valuable now, those are anything that can be totally predetermined and turned into a system that's easier to have a, you know, a a robot do it or, Mm. um, or find someone who'll do it, do it for 
less and less money. But if mm. we're and I, as we're as we're looking at ideas like innovation or empathy or leadership, all these things yeah. are so important that you can't just get get to that through rubrics and and me, and measuring everything. So it gets to that lot, yeah, broader talk of yeah education totally. and. I mean, I think music. Even without improvising, music teaches us a lot of transferable skills, mm -hmm. like a huge amount of transferable skills. I think when we add improvising into that, and I mean, yeah. I could substitute into music, like other art forms also, mm -hmm. teach us a lot of transferable skills. I think that like most people are on board with this in education mm -hmm. around the, the, that music and arts have value, not only music for the sake of music, but also because of these like transferable aspects, as you were talking about in terms of leadership and empathy and communication and physical coordination mm -hmm. and problem solving and and uh, you know helping shape our values. But in my opinion, when we add more improvisation and creativity, I think it just increases um, kind of the depth to which we acquire those skills. And I think mm -hmm. I think we get even more out of it from yeah. from adding in improvisation. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you as you said, using those practicing those skills where it's a more controlled or safe environment. I mean, one exa personal example that came up is just thinking. I mean, to do so much pandemic talk this this episode, but you know, navigating. You know, when the pandemic shut everything down, I, I was I kind of put my I put myself into crazy musical situations where I need to improvise with these two. You know, I, I'm on stage and then I'm going to improvise in this way and kind of a a strange set of limitations I put on myself and work my way out of it. And then in life, suddenly I have these limitations that, okay, well, I still need to help support my family and pay this mortgage and everything I'd been doing to earn money, I can't do it anymore. Like I can't teach lessons. I'm not playing gigs. I'm not doing workshops. Everything was in person. And I, I mean, I was treating it as an improvised exercise. And I'm like, how can I pay my bills, but I can't leave my basement? Like I'm in this chair. Here's the new structure. Here's the new, my mm -hmm. other ways of, oh, I want to do this and that. I'm like, no, I need to stay within the limitation. And then it took some creative problem solving and, you know, wasn't all, wasn't all wonderful, but I'm like, okay. And mm. then it ended up with new things to offer or, or serving the same, same people in different ways. And I just had to like flip everything out. But I think, I really think that the, you know, improvised life or improvised thing of, of making myself do uncomfortable things in weird situations is a weird, yeah, is a, for yeah. fun. <laughs> or it doing it artistically made it a lot easier to do when, when life throws yeah. Situations like that. I'm like, here's here's the situations, here's the limitations. Yeah. And the limitations often aren't what we think they are. We have these that, mm. that that's a whole that's a whole nother talk. But I remember well, thinking that that I was able to like adjust and and can we not say pivot anymore? What's the word? Whatever. But it, Well, it, I think part of it's staying in the zone, right? Mm -hmm. And you know that within that zone there may be fear. <laughs> there may be mm -hmm. uncertainty. There may be like absolute confusion, you know? Mm -hmm. But you like you know that from experience. And so it becomes easier to stay in the zone and not think, oh, this uncertainty or confusion means that I should run away and hide because it's certain to lead to death, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? That we kind of hold ourselves within that. And I, I've been using an example lately where it's like we can like rush into something, like, you know, that feeling of rushing to get mm -hmm. somewhere. And mm -hmm. then like you arrive and sometimes you arrive and you slow down, but sometimes you arrive and you still feel rushed. You're like, mm -hmm. you don't have to rush anymore, but you're still, you're like pressed against the future almost. Mm -hmm. And you're pressed against your expectations and you're kind of, you, it's, you're, you, it's this pressure, this pressurized oh. feeling. Is that why we, I feel weird when I get somewhere early in the uh, event that I do? I'm like, okay, well, I'm here. What am I supposed to do now? 
I'm 15 minutes early. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a whole other conversation. I don't yeah. claim to be an expert at being yeah. early. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have a we'll have a punctual expert expert on a future episode. And uh, then on the other side of that, right? We can. I mean, there's arriving late and you're rushing, but there's the, like, we can kind of hang back in an experience, mm -hmm. right? Like we can hang back and, and not fully commit ourselves. And maybe like that sometimes isn't even totally intentional, right? Sometimes it's like, there's a fear. Sometimes we're extremely tired and we just are not like in it because we're not really feeling it because it's just hard to kind of fully show up in that way. And then there's the sweet spot in the middle, right? <laughs> and I think... Yeah. We're not always there automatically, but just to extend what you were saying, when we've had this experience of either kind of pushing our, like pressuring ourselves against some, against the future or kind of holding back in the past versus really being in the moment with something, mm -hmm. I think that those micro moments of needing to do that, because it will go badly sometimes, <laughs> but getting through it helps us stay with that and build our capacity mm -hmm. for. Uh, as I was talking to you before about that, noticing what is without needing to stress out about it right away or change it right away mm -hmm. and just noticing and relating and responding to what's actually <laughs> to what's actually happening. Um, yeah. even yeah, if it, what's actually happening is challenging. <laughs> exactly. Rather than relating to an idea of what you think it's supposed to be or what it was like last time. And I mean, that's so much of what it's about. We've hit this from so many different angles. So, I mean, what, what is it? I mean, so many, <laughs> I hear so many times like, oh, improvisation. Well, it's kind of a jazz thing, right? And like, well, no, that's, we're much bigger concept mm -hmm. than that. It's a, but so much of it, I mean, that theme is, I mean, as I like to say, it's the you know, attunement to your environment and making decisions on what's what's really here and that can work musically and in all these other areas areas of life and that is something i'm still in the process of doing that you know being attuned to what's mm -hmm. here in front of me even though we're talking about it i still i still can get distracted and wander and plan and think ruminate on whatever as much as as much as the next person yeah yeah and it's it's like on one hand i can think of so many joyful and wonderful and exciting experiences improvising like even just in a playful way as a child but in a way that's actually like has some degree of skill to it like imagine you know dancing around and lip-syncing as a child right mm -hmm. i'm doing some things that are actually like have some degree of skill to to it at that point mm -hmm. even though i'm not thinking about it right mm -hmm. and as an adult i've of course had joyful wonderful experiences i've also had really like embarrassing and frightening experiences um you know but it's it's uh like coming back from that mm -hmm. and allowing allowing space for that and i think sometimes we can access like those embarrassing and frightening experiences might even be just with myself or like mm -hmm. one other person i don't necessarily mean like you know in front of a huge huge yeah. number of people uh, however it oh, can that happens too yeah. that happens too yeah that happens too oh, but we we kind of learn this this figure it out aspect. And it, I think that increases our trust in ourselves. Mm. I think that increases our trust in the process. And I think that it also increases our tolerance for even if we, like we know that trust in ourselves means that doesn't, it won't go mm -hmm. perfectly necessarily, but we yeah. trust that we can continue with it. Yeah, and that's a future conversation to have. It's like, wh why are some of these risks, you know, it's like, why are some of these, what feels like high risk activities and subjecting yourself to embarrassment, like, wh why is it worth doing it rather than staying safe and comfortable? But that's a, that's a whole nother talk. Um, and I'm going to do this thing that's the conversational norm where I talk about the future thing in order to wrap up the conversation. Yeah, right? yeah. So <laughs> next time, our next pilot episode, now that we've fully 
exhausted everything about what is improvisation. Oh gosh, we didn't, we didn't even talk about what is the format of our podcast. We didn't even get there, but um, let me get to that. But we have to wrap up. Yeah, we'll, we'll going to yeah future future conversations about what what the, what this uh, the structure of our podcast and some of our ideas for segments and all that will look like. But also the who, the who episode is next about you know you can learn a little bit go a little bit deeper into into both of our yeah lives and experiences and and yeah, i'll learn who a, you really are yeah who 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 do you think you are yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah that's coming up coming up next for pilot episode number three but yeah thanks everyone for those of you that made it to the end of the episode thanks for thanks for being here and you can go to infiniteimprovisation.com and connect with us in our online community and download some resources if you're interested Mm-hmm. And let us know what you think. Maybe what is improvisation is something you would answer a little differently, and I'd mm. like to know how you'd answer that. Yeah, so you can yeah you can reach us at hello at infiniteimprovisation.com. Yay, looking forward to seeing you again soon.